back. All right, Brett, today we are going to talk about one of your favorite topics. Christmas music? Consumerism. Oh, close. But in the lane of Christmas music, how much does the average American, well, how much did the average American spend on Christmas in 2019? I don't know, like $5,000? $942. What? Come on. You are a pretty epic gift giver. But I mean, think about it. If you're buying kids, you know, let's say you're an average family of four, maybe you have a couple nieces and nephews and some parents, you're averaging like at least a hundred bucks per person. Like that's right. a lot. When yeah. I was a kid, if I got like a hundred dollars worth of Christmas, it was like a big deal. Right. I mean, I remember getting my like Nintendo 64 for, I, I don't know how much that cost, but I think it was only like 150 bucks when it came out, but it was like a big deal. It was like four Christmases worth of like saving up for that. My Molly doll, which was an American girl doll was $84 when I got her. And that was like, my parents knew, made sure to impress on me how big of a deal it was. So much so that my Molly doll is still in, like, perfect condition well, because we'll, I not, took care of it. Well, we'll see about that. Now somebody's going to come looking for it. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but so today we really wanted to actually just kind of take a step back and talk about consumerism and consumption. So Brett and I probably trend a little bit more towards being minimalist, but in the past few years... Um, or in the, I guess in the past few months, now, it's felt like a few years because pandemic and baby time, uh, but we moved into a house again and we've had to buy some more products. But as we do that now, we are trying to be much more intentional about our purchases. So one thing that comes to mind for me recently is we had to buy a new lawnmower. And we've said for a long time that like being frugal is not the same as being cheap because if you're frugal, you buy the right thing. And so, you know... Part of me wanted to get one of those like old school, like twirly bird ones, you know? The old leave it to beaver, like push lawnmowers, the rotary lawnmowers. Right. But even those were like a hundred bucks. Um, but, <laughs> but instead we, uh, we got like a electric lawnmower and it wasn't like the cheapest option out there. Ba- battery but... powered, not the vacuum cleaner yeah. ones that I used to, when I was a kid, like somebody, you'd always see people with like extension cords like running across their lawn and then they would run over the extension cord (laughs) inevitably every single time with a lawnmower no this one has a battery on it and it's good for you know like definitely covers our yard our yard is tiny um but you can mow for like an hour you know two hours with one charge right i mean Um, this is the way that battery technology has come now so you can buy any power tool literally any power tool product that is like a gas equivalent including a chainsaw that operates as effectively or more effectively than the gas-powered equivalent. So, like, it's a really cool time to, like, be buying, like, power tool equipment. But, like, that is the the future generation of this, right? It's, like, very effective. Well, yeah, and it's nice to not smell like gas when you're doing this stuff. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I'm, yeah, very looking forward to, like, the snowblower model as well, now that we live in a very, very, very wintry state and we get tons of snow. Uh, Not smelling like uh, you were just, like, living in a gas station for like 10 years when you come back inside from blowing snow, which is always what happens. Every single person that's ever used a snowblower says that. Uh, You have to go take a shower and you have to like go detox your coat. And like, yeah, you just reek. Right. Right. And so not having to do that again is like super worth it to me. Well, and so then people might be saying, oh, well, it still uses electricity, which not all electricity is clean. 
And uh, yet, <laughs> yet, but well, and so a couple points here. One, Brett and I plan to do solar at our house soon here. Um, so then when we charge everything, like it's through the sun, um, which, you know, through our daughter are... has a lovely book on thermodynamics. Right, so. right. We were, we were generating our own power during the day that should cover all of our, or, you know, 98% of our like utility usage for all of this stuff. So that's why we're, we're trending more in the electric direction for our personal family. Right, but it's also really interesting because in other countries, um, like I know Iceland, for example, so like 90% of their energy is already just clean electricity. From their, right, from their their power plants, or right, right. their power plants are solar power plants. And there was a, a I don't know if this, how true this is, but I saw an article the other day that was saying, we finally hit the turning point where it is more cost effective to build a brand new solar facility than it is, or solar field or something, right? Than it is to continue operating coal plants. Right. Like that, that's like a crazy thought, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but so yeah, by buying into the system, you know, we're voting for that like cleaner future where we can mow our yard without like smelling like gasoline and, you know, buying into that system. And I think sometimes when we make purchases and we can't always do it, sometimes purchases, the price differential is too great. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. as much as we want to go with like the more green choice or the more environmentally friendly choice or just the better choice, we can't always make it work. But where we can, we are doing so. And I think one other benefit of trending more minimalist is that we don't buy a lot of things. So when we do, we make sure that we buy the right product for us. Right. Most of the time, like our car, we have been when we buy something we use it for like 20 years, right? Right. We don't replace it like ever, unless it physically dies. I'm still wearing the same pair of shoes from like four years ago because they haven't physically died yet. Well, I'm still wearing clothes (laughs) that I've had since high school. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Let me tell you about my blue jeans. And I think eventually, well, yeah, actually, let's talk about your blue jeans. So Brett's blue jeans, uh, finally, we got rid of them because I patched them seven different times to the point that they became unpatchable <laughs> like you, you don't think it could happen but you know i'm uh, i can prove you wrong i mean maybe i could have cut out like like think about drywall right like if you put a hole in it you can like spackle over it so many times until like it just looks so bad that you'd have to cut out a whole section of drywall and like redo it and, that, we, already, and we already did that that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> And we had done that once. Um, and so it was basically like, it was a house built over a hundred years ago that people had been repairing the drywall for a hundred years. And it got to the point where I was like, Brett, we need to burn the house. We down. have to burn the house down. The, <laughs> the, the pants are getting burned. And what we did instead was we got him a new pair from a like used clothing shop. Right. So and we actually got two or three. Pairs. Two. Oh I think it was goodness. two. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but like, they're the best fitting jeans I've ever had in my life. They're like, really nice. They're jeans. amazing. And they were like $9 and like $14. But originally they would have been like $100 jeans. Yeah, but like, whatever. I, I got them for nine. So. Right. Um, but no, I, I guess the point there is. Um, Right, that's an area where it's easy to be frugal and cheap because you can get a really good product <laughs> at a really good price. And that's, that's just being lucky, right? Like, 
That's well, just... but there, no, there are, I wouldn't say it's luck because there are people who are really good at thrifting. Well, that's true. But like, you have to like, it was opportunity of like that stuff just happened to yeah. be there when I went to the store and they like fit me perfectly and probably isn't every day but of the week that I could go in there and do that. Poshmark is another really good place and we're not affiliated with them. It's not like, woo, advertisement. Um, the but website? Yeah, like the clothing app on my phone. Okay. Um, so I've been getting some of my daughter's clothes off of there because it's like gently used, especially baby clothes like babies are literally enclosed for like a week and then they become giant monsters overnight because they have like an eating fest and <laughs> like you have to get them something new so it's really great because i can like buy her something off of that she can wear it for like a month or a week or whatever and then i can like resell it um and actually myself i had this christmas sweater that i loved um uh, well it wasn't a christmas sweater it was just a sweater um from nordstrom that i got years ago and i lost it in our travels and i or our moves i don't know when you move a hundred times like things happen and i found it on poshmark and the person selling it had it listed for like $13. Now this was like a $60 sweater and I offered them like 10 bucks and they were like, oh, yep. So like, even if you don't have a lot of great consignment shops in your area, there is like eBay, there's Poshmark. Like there's so many venues for this stuff that like you can. And so the, why do I bring this up? I, I bring this up because fashion is one of those things in America that is like fast fashion is really bad not just for like our landfills because so many like let me tell you when you donate clothes goodwill gets to the point where they're like we're not taking any more clothes like, we right. have too many and so that people just donate clothes that are just full of pit stains and stuff like right. nobody wants that like right almost <laughs> people don't want that there's there, plenty of other good stuff there's that whole problem but then there's the whole problem of um making these clothes and a lot of you know, I've been trying to do better or if I do buy something new, I'm buying from a company that is sourcing like their fabric better and they're tr like treating their employer employees better. Right. And just being like a better ethical company because for so long, fashion is one of those areas that like still has, you know, some really bad business practices. Right. And like literally there are still sweatshops all over the world. Right. And like this used to be super popular, I think when I was a kid in the 90s or whatever, that sweatshops were becoming like really well known for like right. companies coming out and being exposed and like it was tied to like big companies like Nike and Gap and stuff. And they're still there though. Like right. they, didn't, they didn't go away forever. They just moved to another country or like switched to another brand or whatever. Right. But like that, those industries are still totally out there. But you also don't have to literally be a sweatshop that is employing or not employing, but like, you know, basically slaving children to making clothes for you in other countries to have like bad business practices or like not pay your employees very well or like have bad working conditions or have bad products and materials. Right. right. There's a lot of like... Name brand you can, stuff. Yeah, you can do. You can be really bad at your job and still produce a product that is like pretty low in cost, right? But then still is on the same store shelf next to like everything else that you shop for during the day, right? Right, and so like that stuff's out there, and like most people just like the only thing they think of when they go to it is like this thing is cheaper than this other thing, and they look pretty similar, right? right? And that's the that's all the comparison people think about when they buy stuff now, and that's what they want you to think, right? That is the best thing for that company is to like not think too hard about their product, <laughs> right? And so you know, by either if you are gonna buy 
that type of clothing by buying it secondhand, you're at least not generating demand for new products in that space, which is a great thing to do. And you know, the other thing that we've done for ourselves and for our daughter is we buy from smaller, more like boutique, I guess, um, you know, companies that are on a much smaller scale, doing better business practices. And then the beauty of that is we just resell it when we're done with it. Now, in Brett, in my case, we're older. We can wear stuff to death. Like I've been the same size since high school. Brett, you actually have gotten smaller because you decided to wear like giant swimming shirts <laughs> in high school. Like all my clothes were super baggy. Yeah. So, you know, we, we can kind of wear stuff to death. Obviously our growing four month old cannot, but the beauty of her is like, we can just resell this stuff that we bought maybe at a little bit higher price than some of this fast fashion. But then what I've noticed is when we resell it, like it we re- can, it we retains can, its value like very well. Yeah, like we can get almost what we paid for it because it's like gently used high quality clothing. Right, so we're selling it at like 90% or 85% or in some cases definitely over 50% whatever we paid for it new. Right, so and then I don't need to get 50% off the purchase price because I'm like recouping my money on the back end. Right, so you, yeah, right. So you take something that was worth whatever, 40 bucks or 30 bucks and versus the thing that was going to cost like you know, ten dollars for a three pack that was like trash, and doesn't fit very well, and is itchy, and made out of like bad material that is going to stab the child, or just they're going to get a rash from, and then you sell it for twenty bucks anyway, so you still get out the door for the thing only cost you like twenty bucks, right, or or ten bucks, right? So yeah, that's it's just a different way of looking at the market. You can right. look you can look at it as like in the in the aisle. And cross compare and just say like, yep, I'm going to use this until it turns into junk two months later or try and resell your stuff, right? And there's a huge, huge market for used baby clothes that still are in good shape because everything that babies use is like pretty gently used. Right. Unless they like, you know, have, have, the, a blow have, off, the, have the bomb go off, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not just baby clothes. It's There's so many areas that the more and more that Brad and I research the more we realize that there is like a whole tier of products in America that literally are not allowed to be sold in other countries. Right. And so one area that I find interesting is even the grocery store. So let's take yogurt, for example, because I really like yogurt as a snack, but the yogurt that I like for a snack has bacteria in it, right? It's Mm -hmm. a good probiotics. And it's basically just like milk that you let ferment for a period of time and then i personally might add a little granola or jam to it if you go to most grocery stores in america it is so hard for me to find yogurt that doesn't have like 50 grams of sugar in it right and guess what there's there's literally no sugar added to the recipe for making yogurt but there is naturally sugar occurring in dairy correct but it'll be like six grams of serving not 50. right but yeah it's like it's like yeah it's like 50 grams of added sugar for like a yoplait cup or whatever right and so in europe or like trader joe's is kind of a similar model they just sell like one can of yogurt and that is like the right product but in our grocery stores we just have all this like stuff and we just like have more and more selection. And it's it's not just grocery stores, it's grocery stores, it's home improvement stores, it's baby stores, right? Right, we so just, it's appliances. It's literally like almost every tier and in every industry you can think of we, that we have in the United States, 
there are these like striations of products and like by intentionally, right? It's a marketing strategy. You have this like low tier crap and like they sell like a huge volume of it, but they're still like, it's still like not cheap enough. As right. it, it's not as cheap as it should be. It's just cheaper than the stuff that's like a lot better than it. Right. Right. So you still end up because you need something, you just get the cheapest thing. And then you're still paying like, like 3000% of what the value of it actually is. Right. And I want to also say like Brett and I are not perfect by this by any means, because it's still so hard to convince yourself sometimes to buy the better product when it's so much more expensive. Right. It's, it's again, it's exhausting to like fight this machine. And you might also be saying, well, I can't afford to, to, to buy the better product. And I totally understand that, right? Like, I totally get that we are in this, like, weird system in America where, like, we have the entry-level stuff that should be better than it is. And then sometimes it's, like, a pretty big step up to, like, the next tier. The reason, if you can vote with your dollar and stop buying that, like, first tier of stuff that isn't even, like, on the market in other countries is because then that next tier comes down in price for everybody else. Because when they're retooling their uh, factories to make these products now they're just like well now we need to make like more units at the mid-tier level so they put their resources in that and it drives the price down right like so let's let's take like uh i was coincidentally buying appliances the other day for one of our rental properties and like fridges are like the low tier fridges for like a stainless fridge is like unnecessarily expensive. Like it should be like a couple hundred bucks probably. But like the cheapest ones are like somewhere in the neighborhood of like close to a thousand dollars still. And I'm like Black Friday sales, it came down a little bit. But like having like better fridges, and this is this is a weird market because like even the medium ones are still not that good. But like the medium ones are like fifteen to two thousand dollars. And like the little bit better ones than that are like three to four thousand dollars. And like that's insane to put like a refrigerator, right? $4,000 for like a Home Depot refrigerator. Like you need to be going to a better store than that. But like if people would stop buying the like low tier, like close to a thousand dollar refrigerator, that's probably really only valued at like $200 from that manufacturer, right? There's probably like a crazy margin on that. If nobody would buy those anymore, then the ones that were $2,000 would just come down to be a thousand dollars. Right. Right. So you just get like better parts for less money because it was just it's just more effective for those companies to stop producing the crap so all of their assembly lines all of the economies of scale from the stores buying those things in bulk right all of those things just work out better for like the better products if people only buy the better products well and the other thing that i've noticed you know in the land of skincare, for example. Um, You know, I live in Michigan. We have a forced air system in our house for now. And so in the winter, my skin becomes very, very dry. So I need to use a moisturizer. And a few years ago, I started like researching what was actually in my moisturizer. And I was like, whoa, I'm putting a lot of chemicals on my body. And so I switched to a more natural one, which was more expensive. But by doing so, all of a sudden you see that the, the companies that were making the cheaper alternative start realizing that they can't keep putting some of those chemicals in their product if they want to sell them. Between that and then like states like California literally banning these chemicals. Like I, I might sound like a crazy person, but it's like 
No, no. They're like well, finding yeah. out that some of the stuff is like genuinely horrible. And then when they ban it, they have to pull those out. And so now you have more competition in that space that's still like good to put on your skin. Right. And everybody's seen those warnings of like, you know, not safe for whatever in California or whatever, like labels on packages. And it's just like, yeah, they like definitely found out that there's something bad in this. And all they had to do was put a warning label on it that was like super easy to ignore. Right. Because like the company's like nobody talks about it at all. But like it is actually pretty bad. Right. Like, like it's definitely dangerous stuff. Just like the rest of the states, like, don't give a, you know, whatever. Well, I know, you know, flame retardants in mattresses and furniture was a big one that they finally banned in like 2016 or something, or at least you had to put a label on it. But that's a big deal because I know when we were trying to buy a new mattress for our daughter, you know, they're saying now, like, it's really, it can be bad for kids to be that, like, sleeping on flame retardant because it's really bad for their lungs and it can and lead to asthma and their brain. Yeah. And so, um, you know, by having, at least having that, like, warning label, you can, like, make that informed decision. Right. It's, it's yeah, it was so crazy. It's, a, yeah, there's neurological damage with all the flame retardants that we have in the United States. And for a while, it was, like, forcing products that didn't make any sense to have flame retardants in them like had like baby clothes and like couches and like stuff that of course is going to catch on fire anyway like right it's not fireproof it's not like some crazy like firefighters outfit right right but and then so i think tying that back to because you're probably like hey you're a personal finance podcast what are you talking about but tying it back well guess what if you have these products and you're like well it doesn't matter it has a warning label on it but it's a flame retardant couch and i'm just gonna go with it anyways because it's cheaper than the alternative it's not cheap to have asthma long term because brett actually had well had asthma (laughs) with air quotes um but like i remember when we had to pick up a prescription for your inhaler for you at one point you were like no you can just keep it because even with insurance it was so expensive right and i was just like i don't need it anymore we like moved out of our situation and i was like i'm not i'm just not going to do it anymore right changing our lifestyle i like went away and i've like literally never had a problem with it ever since then but like if you're in an environment that are like causing like some of these other health effects it is super expensive it is super expensive to get pneumonia like every winter like i did my entire childhood multiple times right it's expensive and it's like what is the price that you put on your health Right, long term. Yeah, what is the, how is that messing you up like long term? Right. You just cut off like 20 years of your health like you know, you can vote with your dollar or you can vote with your years of life. Right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, obviously, I think the reason when you can vote with your dollar and I think this all comes back to consumerism in America is insane. People have so much stuff and Brett and I have said before when we were moving out of our house, you know, four or five houses ago, it's hard to keep track with all of our moves lately. We were basically pulling stuff out of our closet. And I actually just got pictures from this exercise on my phone as like a memory. We were pulling stuff out of our closet and just the amount of stuff we had accrued over the years was staggering. Right. It was mind blowing. And it was a lot of gifts. It was a lot of like Christmas gifts or birthday gifts or wedding presents that just accumulated. And we were like, holy cow. Like, it's so much stuff. And I think if you pause buying that amount of stuff, and when you do add something to your collection, you're more intentional with getting a good product, it it helps everybody. Because when you do that, 
now you're saying, I don't want lots of cheap stuff. I want one good thing, right? So like, I don't want a lot of cheap, you know, sweaters, let's say. I just want my one good one off of Poshmark. <laughs> and so, or, or used ones, or you buy secondhand. And when you do that, you send a message to these real retailers and you actually help everybody because then the price will come down for better quality because it's what the market is demanding. Right. And like work clothes, I think for that example was a big one for me. I had so many like cheap work shirts, right, that I had gotten since I, like, graduated from high school, basically, that were just, like, you know, Van Heusen or, like, Arrow or whatever was on sale at Kohl's or whatever, right? And, like, nothing fit well, but, like, it was good enough to, like, go to work every day, and then eventually I was just, like, I have, like, so many, like, different work shirts that, I, but I don't have any that, like, fit me at all. Like, I don't look good. All I needed was, like, five good work shirts right and i just wear them in rotation and like nobody cares right Right. nobody knows there's so many examples of people that like did these um challenges right where they only like wear like 30 total pieces of clothing like in their whole closet right and um like that's all they own and they just like rotate it out and like change up their outfits by like just swapping things in and out and matching things differently and like literally no one notices well and another you know kind of weird example but like kitchen flatware brett and i have not bought new plates uh since we were in college (laughs) and we probably need to at some point but like guess what we have two different sets of four and when we have guests come over if we have more than that nobody cares if they have mismatched plates right nobody cares because you have two different sets of four and that kind of looks like intentional and eccentric and quirky and people are like oh i like your style and like (laughs) it doesn't matter like yeah. these things don't matter. Like I think, you know, back in the day it was like whenever you got married you had to get like a new set of china and silver. And if that's your thing, great, embrace it, you do you. But if that's not your thing, don't feel forced to because of society. There are so many things that Brett and I just like turned our backs on that used to be like more normal societal norms and we're just like, nah, and then like nobody cares. Right. Yeah, there's some there's all this peer pressure and like all this generational like Oh, you know, this is what our parents did, or this is what you guys need to do, or this is what your friends need to do. And she's like, nah, nah. Like, this was all made up by somebody at some point, like, within the last hundred years, right? Right. Even, like, baby clothes being, like, pink and blue for boys and girls. Like, that didn't exist until, like, the 1940s or something. Right. Right. The whole concept, like, which blows my mind, right? Because, like, of course girls are pink and and boys are blue, right? Like, I've been, like, raised on that concept from, like, birth. And literally. (laughs) (laughs) But, like... It didn't exist, right? It was nonsense until, like, somebody, some marketing company just, like, thought it up one day and just started pushing it out. Right. And I, what I really love, though, is that, like, I see that trend reversing because, like, our next-door neighbor is two and a half and his favorite color is pink. And I <laughs> love that. And, like, our daughter looks great in blue. Right. So I put her in it. Um, but to kind of stay back on track here, I guess the last thing that I wanted to mention, kind of in line with all of this, is when you are voting with your dollar, you also have a choice to support big corporations and their business practices, which typically involve paying the CEO at the top level some insane amount of money and then paying most other people at that company like not a great amount of money. Right. And Or you can vote with your dollar and support that small business up the street who is literally somebody in your community who makes their living running that business. 
and they typically do pretty well for themselves and they typically are more likely if they are doing well for themselves to give back to their community either with like donations to the school or by like hiring people at a better wage and so I know it's not always possible to support small businesses because the price differential can be really great sometimes but when those small businesses can't give you that this when they can't price match these giant online corporations it's not because they don't want to it's literally because they would go out of business if they gave you that price because they have to operate that brick and mortar and they have to you know pay for their own health insurance and save for their own retirement and all of these things that aren't happening if you like just work for a corporation right and maybe you know the devil's advocate is like oh well that maybe that business model shouldn't exist then because it's not as efficient to operate but you have to have like these are the competitors in the market these are actually people in your community right that are like can do good things and like get things for you like the local bookstore here can like literally get angela anything that she wants and like delivers it to her front door for her which of course amazon does anyway but Right, but like, she knows the people that works there, right? Right. And like, when she buys something from them, it like deliberately affects their family. Right. And like that 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 is just an interesting emotional tie to have with your with your. Well, your peer and, and you stuff. know we, and I don't mean to keep harping on the baby point, um, but you know it's just very relevant for our life right now. But we have like a baby boutique in town, and the owner pre-screens products so I don't have to. So I bring this up because I was doing some online shopping one day and I found this like musical set for my daughter, read through some reviews and it turns out there was lead paint in, in the product because the manufacturer was like, oh, it complies with the US standard for the safe amount of lead in children's toys. Well, maybe there is a safe amount of lead. As a mom, I don't want to have anything any any lead near my daughter if at all possible right and that's not true in other countries this is a u.s specific thing where we like skirt the rules for like certain stuff to allow these things to get by because they're like you know it's way cheaper and easier to like because lead is used to to make red dye or has been historically red paint um is the pigment and or, or the red pigment and so that's how they get away with it right they need to like use the lead to make red pigment or there's a more expensive way to make red pigment right right but like the U.S. is just like, oh, no, you know, we, we'd have to, like, put too many businesses out of, you know, out of stock or they'd have to retool everything. And that's not cost effective. And people lobby for it and then they get away with it. Right. But it doesn't mean it's safe for people. And, like, the EU does not allow that. But I guess my point here was by shopping at that local boutique, I know she will not allow anything with lead paint in her store. So if I browse her online catalog and I put an order in and do curbside pickup or get it delivered to my house still, I'm supporting her and I don't have to think as hard when I'm shopping because she wants to do right by her customers. Right. And those are the things that you get intrinsic value from because like I could spend hours and hours and I do spend hours and hours researching like what the best products are and what am I going to find and like especially around the holidays if I'm going to get gifts for people, I'm not getting like something for somebody. I'm going to get the best version of that thing for that person, right? Not just like something that I saw somewhere. I'm going to get the best thing that I saw. Um, But like, yeah, bookstores are a great example. The people that work there can like recommend things for you. And like, if I'm going to, if I'm like trying to find out what a new book is that I want to look at, other than searching for like whatever the top trending things are on Amazon, like then I'm going to somebody's blog or I'm going to like some other forums or something and like trying to hunt this stuff down where like, 
the bookstore guy is like infinitely knowledgeable in that space. Like that is the guy posting stuff on the forum anyway, right? Right. I well, like having that resource available to me. And, you know, even coffee. So that's another thing that we buy locally. Uh, it gets delivered to my doorstep for free uh, Monday morning. From bef- the local coffee Before shop. I need to make my cup to start my day of work, which is fantastic. <laughs> um but they started roasting it. It's roasted fresh within 48 hours from when it's like delivered to me. And the beans that they get are like really high quality because again, they want to do right by their customers because they're a small business and like one bad review or one bad experience would be detrimental to them. So they mm-hmm. can't risk it. Versus, did you know that a lot of commercial coffee beans have like literally mold <laughs> spores in them and can like cause, and that's sometimes why people when they drink coffee like get an upset stomach. Because, like, it's literally bad, like, not bad for you, but, like, it's causing a reaction where, like, I never have stomach problems when I drink my coffee now, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those, like, weird things that, like, when you support small businesses and local businesses, and I know we are really lucky in the community we're in to have, like, so many wonderful small businesses, but they want... Like they work harder to provide you a better product instead of just a cheaper product. And I think that right there is like the difference between being frugal and being cheap. It's like, I want the best product I can get at the right price, not whatever product I can get at the cheapest price. Right, exactly. And we are, you know, we'll harp on Amazon here for a second. We are, again, big proponents of using Amazon because it is very effective and convenient and right there a lot of people will do it and we use it a lot ourselves to get things um, when we need them but we also understand that without competition from these other small businesses that are specifically being targeted because of the pandemic right now right there's a lot more press around people are not physically going to stores they're staying at home they're buying more stuff online and buying more stuff on Amazon is a lot easier than even buying the stuff on these websites for these local businesses, right? Mm-hmm. This, we're just seeing a trend, uh, just even if businesses do have websites of their own and good e-commerce stores, people still gravitate to Amazon because it's like a little bit more convenient for them. Right. And maybe the deals are, maybe the prices compared to between the two online are like a little bit cheaper on Amazon. But for the same product, if those all those other local businesses and competition to Amazon go out of business during this pandemic wave that's hitting and or for any other reason even after the pandemic if all these like smaller competitive businesses get wiped out nothing could be better for Amazon right, that, right. they would want nothing more than to like wipe out all of these other things because you might be getting like these discounted prices on Amazon now to undercut all of these like small businesses but guess how long that's going to like keep up once the small businesses are gone? Then they get to set the price for all the products. They control everything about the, the supply chain. And right, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I remember learning about monopolies in school. So <laughs> right. guess what I do when I'm winning in monopoly? It, I build hotels everywhere and charge people a billion dollars. Right, but there was no, there's no textbook that talks about the monopoly of, of the distributor. Right. right of the middleman there is no monopoly of a middleman this is like a new concept that has never existed before because right. it's not it's not the guy producing the product right. that is like that owns the whole market it's the guy that distributes everything right so it's basically kind of what walmart did 
you know, years ago when they, when they took over this model for the brick and mortar store, they started taking on every product they could. They were driving the prices down everywhere. They were making everybody go super lean on their manufacturing processes to like drive costs down. Otherwise you didn't get to bring your product into Walmart. Right. And then you got to go out of business because we're going to sell somebody else's thing to your competitor. Right. And so I think to wrap this podcast up, you know, it's not about what, it's not just about Brett and I's preferences. It's really tossed back to you as listeners. What is important to you? What do you value? And what world do you want to live in when this pandemic is over? Because I know for me, I've never been like, ooh, I want to live in the part of town that only has chains. (laughs) Chain restaurants. Chain restaurants and chain stores like that. No, like I always like the restaurants and the coffee shops and the grocery stores that have more personality and cater to you and have that like cozy feeling. And that to me is like where I like to spend my time. I love in a normal world going and sitting up at a coffee shop for a couple hours to get some stuff done. And I don't want it to just be the generic, like not very good, maybe there's mold in here coffee. Right? Like I wanted to be the high quality stuff and bookstores. I love going to events with them. I love going to book signings and readings and um, book clubs. That's been a huge part of like me building a social life as an adult is like going to book clubs. (laughs) And so, you know, in in Chicago, uh, there's a fantastic feminist bookstore that I went to a book club at every week. And I still talk to the owner of it to get book recommendations for my nieces and nephews for Christmas presents. And I don't want to lose those stores. I don't want to lose that personality because that's what gives our cities and our neighborhoods this vibrancy and community. Right. And so, you know, for me, that means right now when I am trying to support businesses, I'm trying to support small businesses. And it doesn't even just mean small businesses right where I live. It means small businesses that I know of or that my friends work at across the country when I can order from them. That's what I'm trying to do. So I just encourage you to think about what world you want to live in and you know, how can you support that? Even if you can't do 100% of your business that way, I understand because it can get more expensive, but maybe just a thing here or two, especially for the holiday season when we're looking at gift giving. Right. Because really, every when we say vote with your dollar, we really want you to invest with your dollar. And what, what are you going to invest in? What companies are you investing in by buying their products? What right. companies, like when we're buying like electric lawnmowers and stuff, we're investing in the electric frontier of like that replacing like the, the energy, you know, grid system in the future. Because I like believe that that is the most effective way to like operate long term. Right. And we don't typically hop on a podcast and tell you guys to buy a lot of stuff. So like, <laughs> you know, this is this is new advice for us. And I think... That is kind of the message is don't buy a lot, but when you do, think about where your money is going. Think about where your investment is going and think about what the future looks like if you make those investments. Right. And if you put it somewhere else, what does that look like? Right. So with that, we'll end this. Um, If you have any questions or comments on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. I always love hearing from you guys and I will drop all of my contact information in. Um, But I also wanted to say a thank you. We got um, a really nice warm welcome back with our last episode and we're just still so excited to be back and producing new content. So thanks for all of that. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one. 
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.